How many of you can hardly believe that November is here? Isn't it hard to believe? But how many of you are excited that in just a couple of weeks or a few weeks it's Thanksgiving? I don't know about you, but I love Thanksgiving, love Christmas. That block of time between Thanksgiving and Christmas is just awesome. I, I just love it. You get to meet with people and hang out, and it's just a very meaningful time in my own life. Um, now, what we're doing at City Church is we're moving towards the end of a 14-week teaching series that's entitled Tri-Unity. Tri-Unity. For the first four weeks, we looked at the Father. Six weeks, we looked at the Son. And now we're looking at the Holy Spirit. Before we step into that, I just want to make a quick announcement about next Sunday morning. How many of you have enjoyed the guest speakers that we've had over the past several weeks? I, I know they were just phenomenal, out, absolutely outstanding. Well, this next Sunday morning, we're going to have a special guest speaker by the name of Dick Foth. Um, Dick has been involved with Chi Alpha Campus Ministry on grounds at UVA. I met Dick when I was a campus pastor at Princeton University about 25 years ago, actually longer than that now, and Dick has been one of my mentors over my ministry career, and so Dick will be here with us next Sunday morning. Now, let me just say this about Dick Foth. I will tell you, he's one of the best speakers I have ever, ever heard, ever heard, and so I really want to encourage you, make sure that you're here. Also, if you would like to invite friends, do that. But Dick Foth has a way of, of explaining the person of Jesus in such a profound, profound way. So please be mindful of that. Invite a friend. Make sure that you're here as well. Now, as we move in to the teaching here on the Holy Spirit, what we're going to be talking about again is the relationship between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Many of us maybe have come from Christian faith backgrounds where if you were to ask a question about the Holy Spirit, they would neither confirm nor deny the existence of the Holy Spirit. They would neither confirm nor deny. Well, what you'll find as you look in the Scriptures is that the third person of the Trinity is literally at the epicenter of what God does from the creation story to the final realities of the book of Revelation. The Holy Spirit is key to the reality of God in this world. And since most of us are comfortable with Jesus, what I'm going to do this morning is connect the dots for us again concerning Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, in order to do that, I want to take about two minutes to recapture what we talked about last week, and then we're going to move into the book of Acts, where the Holy Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost, and those that study the church and study theology speak of the day of Pentecost as the day that the church was born. But in order to get that, I want to get there, I would like to connect the dots again on Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit. If you were to look at the very last paragraph in the Older Testament, 
The last paragraph of the Older Testament is the book of Malachi, chapter 4, verse 4. Here's what the prophet says before the Older Testament closes. Here's what Malachi writes. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and the laws I gave him at Mount Horeb for all of Israel. I want you to remember that because we're going to come back to the idea of the law of God at the end of this teaching. But the Older Testament closes with this incredible announcement, this prophetic projection into the future, and God brings a warning, remember the law that I gave Moses at Mount Horeb. Then it goes on in verse 5 to say this, see I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Wow. That's how the Older Testament ends. Be mindful of the law of Moses that was given at Mount Horeb. I'm going to send the spirit of Elijah, and when the spirit of Elijah comes, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to children, children to the fathers, and if that doesn't happen, there will be total destruction for Israel. Total destruction. As we read on, we discover in Luke chapter 1 that there's an angel appears out of nowhere and suddenly after 400 years of silence, the angel of the Lord shows up to a priest in the temple, his name's Zechariah, and the angel of the Lord whispers to Zechariah, your wife Elizabeth, who's been barren, will give birth to a son, you're to name him John, and the Holy Spirit will be in him and on him even in his mother's womb. And he will prepare the way of the Lord and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to their fathers. And there's the linkage from the end of the Older Testament now to this eruption of God's activity as we move into the Newer Testament in the book of Luke. And as we read on, we discover that John the Baptist, this one in whom the Holy Spirit was working even in his mother's womb, steps into his public ministry and as he steps into his public ministry, he does what the angel said he would do. He begins to prepare the way for the Lord. And as he does so, he announces this in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. John the Baptist, who has literally become the voice of God after 400 years of biblical silence of the moving of the Lord, John the Baptist comes on the scene and he has a message for Israel. And the message is this, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he makes this incredible announcement. He says, although I baptize with water, there will be one who will come, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. When you look at what John the Baptist had to say about Jesus, he came with two messages. And I want us to hear them. John the Baptist said of Jesus two things. Number one, he is the Lamb of God who came into this world to take away the sins of the entire world. That's the first thing John the Baptist said about Jesus. 
But the second thing he said, we must not forget. He said of Jesus that he will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus did not just come into this world to save us from our sins. Jesus came into this world as well to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now you might, you might say, well, what's the fire portion? The fire portion is simple. Water baptism was a purification rite that Jews, Jesus, or Jews went through in order to prepare for a move of God. That's what John was doing. He was cleansing people through baptism. When you look at fire in the Bible, fire is for purification to the core. It's not just a preparation. It is a purification. And what John is saying about Jesus, that he would come and he would save his people from their sins, that he would be the Lamb of God. But he also says that Jesus will come and when he does, he will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with what? Fire. There will be a level of purity that will be available through Jesus that is not available through baptism that John is presenting. Whole new level. Now as we look at the scriptures, we discover that Jesus picks up with the same verbiage that John said about him. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, Jesus is now in resurrected body. He has not yet ascended to his heavenly Father. It tells us that during a 40-day period, Jesus was appearing to people and giving them definitive proof that he had been raised from the dead. And in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, we pick up one of those episodes where here's what the Bible says, on one occasion... While he was eating with them, he gave them this command. One of the reasons why I love Jesus, this is a quick aside, is that he loved to eat. You ever notice that in Scripture? Jesus so often is eating meals with people. How many of you like to eat? How many of you love to eat? How many of you think eating Italian food is a spiritual experience? <laughs> so do I. Jesus is here eating lasagna with his disciples in resurrected form. And in the midst of eating, he has this statement that he makes. Listen to it carefully. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. I want you to notice that it is a gift that the Father God has promised which you have heard me speak about. It wasn't the first time Jesus talked about what the Holy Spirit was going to do and what God was going to do through the power of the third person of the Trinity. And then listen to what he says. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And you will notice in all of your Bibles, if you're reading along, but if you will notice in your Bibles, or if you're using your smartphone, that next to the word with is a footnote, the letter B. 
And if you look to the bottom, it says this, with or in. So picture this. For John the Baptist baptized in water, but in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I like that. Because the word baptizo in the original language doesn't mean that you take a little sponge bath. It's not what some of you did in order to get to church on time. I want a show of hands. Just kidding. How many of you took a, actually took a shower this morning? How many of you did not? Get a safe distance from those people, move away, get away. But that word baptizo is this word of being saturated. It's like a sponge sucking up water. It's not just covering it. It's saturating and permeating and getting all up inside of it. The Bible says, and Jesus announces to his disciples, look, John baptized you with water. If you thought that was awesome, wait until you see what's going to happen next. He says, but in a few days, you will be baptized in the third person of the Trinity. That God the Father has a gift that he has promised. And he is sending the Holy Spirit. And then when you pick it up in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is announcing that when this Holy Spirit moves, this Christian thing is literally going to permeate the entire world. Think for a moment. You're part of this little group of Christians. There's just a few dozen of you. When Jesus died, most of them split. They're gone. And Jesus says when the Holy Spirit comes, this thing is going to literally go to the ends of the world. And can you imagine what it was like to be sitting there and he's saying that? And the Roman Empire is dominating the world. And you're thinking to yourself, what? I mean, look at the Apostle Peter. This guy's a goofball, man. How in the world is the kingdom you look around the room and they're just a bunch of fishermen and ex-tax collectors. And who are these people anyway? What we know is they weren't the sharpest tools in the shed because they were not picked when they were teenage boys to be tutored under the rabbis. I mean, these, are, these aren't UVA students, trust me. And yet Jesus gathers this group together. He makes this incredible announcement that when the Holy Spirit comes and the baptism hits, this thing is going to go all over the world. When you look at that, you begin to understand what Christ is trying to show us. That the Holy Spirit baptism and what's getting ready to happen is going to revolutionize everything. Because this is a group of people who were running and hiding from the Roman Empire. Can you imagine again, you're one of those 11, because one of you has already cut tail and run and committed suicide, he's gone, he's out. And you're sitting there and the Roman Empire dominates the world and Jesus is saying, what we're going to do when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you guys are going to, you'll be greater than the Roman Empire. No way. How can that happen? 
There's not a single one of them that it could have ever dreamt that 2,000 years later we would be sitting in an auditorium, hundreds and hundreds of us. We outnumber the group of people that he said that to. And it's 2,000 years later, and we're here because the Holy Spirit of God came and revolutionized everyone that was in that room. They could have never dreamt what was coming, ever. And yet Jesus said, When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, this thing is going to go to the ends of the earth. And then we pick up the actual events where the Holy Spirit comes upon these people in its Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 13. I want to encourage you if you have a smartphone or you've got one of the Bibles that we provide, if you would take that very quickly. And we're just going to read the story. We're going to read it together. It says the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. Here's what the Bible says when the day of Pentecost came. They were all together in one place and suddenly the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. You know how I picture this? Have you ever been out on the tarmac when a jet gears up? You ever experienced that? That's what I picture. I just picture these people are in this upper room and they've been in, the Bible says they're in one accord, they're in unity with one another and all of a sudden from heaven comes the sound of a blowing violent wind and I just picture that vibrating the house where they're in. And it comes down from heaven and it fills the whole house where they're sitting. And the Bible goes on to say in verse 3, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. By the way, where did Jesus say this thing was going to get to? The end of the earth. It's going to make it all the way. And here we have, in Jerusalem, Jews who are there for the Feast of Pentecost. It was one of the three feasts that every able-bodied Jewish man was commanded by God to go to Jerusalem and experience if they were able. So there are Jews from all over the known world that are there, they're experiencing the Feast of Pentecost, the celebration of Pentecost which is the end, it's the last little piece of the Passover celebration. And they're there from all over the world. And it says there were God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, this jet engine firing up, I love that. It says a crowd came together in bewilderment because they each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? These aren't UVA people. They're Galileans. And they're speaking languages that they've never learned. Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? And then there's this whole long list 
of people. And then we pick it up at the end of verse 11, and it says this, and, and we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own languages or tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. God never forces you to believe. He never forces you to receive. You always have a choice. You can say no thank you and belittle it, or you can leave your heart wide open and say, God, whatever you have, I'm yours. Whatever you have, I'm yours. Now, here's what's key, and here's what I really want us to understand, is that the Bible says on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down out of heaven like a mighty vibrant wind and entered into this room where they were at and the Bible says the Spirit of God came down and parsed out on each one of them individually and the Spirit of God came and little tongues of fire began to rest on each one of them this sign of the Holy Spirit coming and touching their lives here's what I think is key for us is this is the Feast of Pentecost it's the end of the Passover feast. The reason why it's called Pentecost is because it's a celebration that's also known as the Feast of Weeks. As that, God had commanded in Leviticus chapter 23 that the Jewish people would count out a series of seven full weeks from the second day of the Passover feast. And after that day, after seven full weeks, they were to gather together and celebrate a special offering where they would bring loaves of bread as a sign of God's provision in their lives, and they would celebrate back to God the abundance of the harvest that they had received. Leviticus says this is a lasting ordinance. Jewish people still celebrate this today. It's called Pentecost because Penta is 50. It's 50 days from the second day of the Passover feast, seven full weeks. And then they gather together to celebrate this. It's also called Shavat. So there's several different terms that are involved with that. But here's what's key for us. By the time of Jesus, Pentecost was also the celebration of the giving of the law of Moses. It's where Jews believed in their oral tradition that it was that day when God met Moses on Mount Sinai. It was on that day where God came down and gave Moses the Ten Commandments that would become the epicenter of a relationship with God. There were 613 laws, but they began with the giving of the Ten Commandments. And it was from those Ten Commandments that God entered into a personal relationship with the Jewish people. And so think of it. It's on that day, on the day of Pentecost, on that day when Jewish people celebrate the giving of the law of Moses. It's on that day that the Holy Spirit is poured out. Remember the last paragraph in the book of Malachi. What did it say? The last paragraph of the book of Malachi said this. 
Watch, be mindful of the law of Moses that I gave to him on Mount Horeb. That's the last thing that's said in the Older Testament. And here on the celebration of the giving of the law of Moses, John the Baptist, who came in the spirit of Elijah, what he said about Jesus becomes true. The baptism of the Holy Spirit comes down from heaven on that day, on the day when they celebrate the giving of the law of Moses on Mount Horeb, the Holy Spirit comes down and dramatically transforms these people. Here's what I know God is saying. God is saying this. There are two ways to serve me. One of them works, one of them doesn't. One of them is the law. We know by reading the Newer Testament that the law simply shows us where we're broken and we can't achieve and we can't overcome and we can't accomplish this reality of the legal perfection that the law of Moses and those 613 laws call us to. And it's on the commemoration of the giving of the law of Moses that the Holy Spirit shows up and dramatically transforms everything. And so in this, I believe God is saying to anyone who would listen, you have a choice. Here's the choice. You can try to attain a relationship with me that's do's and don'ts. Or there's another way. There's a new way, and it's right from Jesus, and it's this. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Will you surrender your life to the third person of the Trinity? Will you do it? Will you be open to the fullness of the Spirit of God? Now, in our culture, we don't have a lot of things that are similar to the Jewish feast. But I've got something to commemorate a special event in my life. What I'm holding here is a mirror that I purchased for my wife to commemorate our 25th wedding anniversary two weeks ago. Oh, thank you. Um, October the 21st was 25 years. You're doing the math, my son is only 21. And so now what we're holding is this mirror. I bought it for Franny, and I got it because it's silver. Because see, when you're married 25 years, you have to, men, buy your wife something that's silver. And what I did was I had etched in the back of it her favorite verse. Jeremiah 29, 11, Behold, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans, plan, plans that will bless you and keep you and not to harm you and to give you a hope and a future. And then on the bottom it says 25th anniversary, and it's silver. And you know what? She keeps it in her purse. And every time she takes it out and looks at her beautiful face, it's a reminder of an event, 25 years. 25 years we've been married. You see, the feasts played that function for the Jewish people. 
Every time they gather together on the day of Pentecost, they remember the giving of the law of Moses. Here's what I want to tell you. I gave my wife on 25 years a silver mirror. What an awesome gift. <laughs> Let me tell you what. God on the day of Pentecost gave his very self. His gift was the third person of the Trinity. As awesome and brilliant and incredible as this gift was for Fran on our 25th, it pales in comparison to God's gift to you and me. He gives us his son. But on the day of Pentecost, he gives himself. He gives us the Holy Spirit. Loved ones, I'm hoping you understand how important this is. The Holy Spirit is at the epicenter of your living for God. I want to ask you this question. Has your Christian life become do's and don'ts? Has your Christian life lost its joy? Is your closeness to God somehow judged by the do's and the don'ts and the lists and the rules? Let me tell you what, that's the law. The Holy Spirit came on that day commemorating the giving of the law because God screams to us, there's a new way to do this. You can do this in the power of the Holy Spirit. And all it takes is you and I surrendering ourselves to the Spirit of God. My fear is, is that for some of us, our faith in Jesus and our relationship with Christ is a list of rules. It's about do's and don'ts. And if I don't do this and I do this, then somehow I'm right with God. That's not how this thing works. Christianity is not a baptism of the legal code of the Older Testament. It is a baptism in the Holy Spirit. It is the power of God for you and I to live with an intimacy with Christ that is found through the living power of the Spirit of God. That's what that is. So I have a question. Has your life, better yet, has your heart in your Christian faith become crusty Cold, distant, unsure, and afraid. I want to tell you that's a description of the disciples before the day of Pentecost. Their hearts had grown crusty and cold and distant and unsure and afraid. But following the day of Pentecost, there was a vibrancy in their lives that literally has transformed the world. And so I, what I want to say to you, and I say it to myself, is my Christian life about do's and don'ts? Or is my Christian life empowered by and emboldened by and enlivened by the third person of the Trinity? Which is it? Because I promise you, if it's not about the Holy Spirit, it will go to a list immediately. So, 
What I'm going to ask that we would do is we would close out our time together. I'm going to ask that you would stand with me if you're able. And as we stand in God's presence, Callie and the worship team will be returning. As we stand together, I'm going to ask that you would close your eyes in God's presence just for a moment. Jesus said this to his disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait because the Holy Spirit is coming. And when he does, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with power. He's saying to his disciples, there's going to be a new way to do this thing called a relationship with God. Jesus came into this world as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. But he also came into this world to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. If you're standing in God's presence and you know full well that your spirit life, that your Christian life, that your life of faith is not what it's supposed to be and you've been trying harder, trying to do more. I want to give you the most incredible news. This is about surrender. This begins with surrender to Jesus as the baptizer of your soul in the Holy Spirit. This is a gift that God gives. God the Father has chosen to give us the gift of His Holy Spirit. Would you receive it? A gift has to be received. When I gave my wife this silver mirror, she lit up. She lit up because I had remembered it was our 25th anniversary. She lit up because it took forethought. It showed I knew at least something about her. Her favorite verse was on there. Can you imagine this? That God says, my gift that I want to give you is my very self. I want to give you the Holy Spirit. It's my gift to you. Why? Because God knows you. He knows what you need. You need Him. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And so as we conclude our time, would you be open to the Holy Spirit in your life? Would you be open to the fullness of what God has for you? If you know that you know that the Christian life that you've been living is not what you know it should be, I'm going to ask that you would just simply open up your heart in this moment that you would invite the Holy Spirit to fill you and to touch you. And that God, through the power of the Spirit, would turn that crusty heart soft again in His presence. That God would give you power and authority in the struggles of your life. And that once again, you would know what it, the sense is that the Holy Spirit is with you 
And you will find that you are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. As the Spirit of God fills us. I know I need that. I sense you do too. Jesus, you are our Savior. You came into this world as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the entire world. Now we ask that you would be our baptizer as well. From the youngest of us in this auditorium to the oldest. Jesus, we invite you to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. That we would be a group of people who are marked by the Spirit of God. Filled with the Spirit of God. Baptized in the Spirit of God. Jesus, send your spirit upon us. We invite you. Fill us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask that we would remain in this posture of heart and spirit before the Lord. Callie's going to begin to sing. And as she does, will you invite the Holy Spirit into your heart and into your life? like specific prayer, if you would like specific prayer for more of the Holy Spirit in your heart and your life, if you're in that place, our prayer team is going to begin to move forward at this time. If you have other needs in your life that you know you need the Spirit of God to strengthen you and to help you, I know enough of you personally in this auditorium to know that we have a large number of people that are facing big things. If you know that you need the Spirit of God, you've been trying it in your own strength, and it's at that place where you know that you need the Spirit of God, I'm going to invite you to begin to come forward, and there's people that will be here to pray with you and to pray for you, that God's Holy Spirit will touch you and will fill you. I want to so encourage you to take advantage of this moment 
that you would step forward and say, you know what, God, I know that I need you deeply in my life. I know I need the power of the Holy Spirit. My heart is dry. I've been living in my own strength. I'm facing stuff. And that you would come forward and receive prayer. I'm going to ask that you would take a step of faith and come forward to be prayed with and to be prayed for as we conclude our time. If that's you, please come forward. Take a step towards God. Again, if you know that that's you, I want to encourage you. Take a step towards Christ. He's the baptizer. The Spirit of the Lord is available to us before us. Would you come forward? Listen, if you're standing next to someone and you know their story, and you know their struggle, why don't you loop your arm through theirs and say, you know what, I know that you're struggling. How about we go down together? Walk down with that person. Come with them. Stand before God with them. Let's ask God to touch and empower and fill. Is there anyone else that would like to come forward? I want to encourage you to come. Is there anyone else? As Callie begins to lead this song again, if that's you, I'm going to invite you to come forward. Take a step towards Christ. If you're tired of how it's going, take a step towards Christ. Jesus, I thank you that you are the baptizer and the Holy Spirit and the fire. I pray that you'd have freedom, freedom in our hearts and in this room, and that in that we would find the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, saturate us in your spirit this morning. Fill us with your spirit this morning. We live in a dry and a weary land and we need, we need the Spirit of God in our hearts and in our lives. Holy Spirit, come and baptize us, baptize us this morning. Fill us with who you are. We need you. Jesus, we need you. We need you. We need you. We need you this morning, Jesus. Callie, lead us again in that worship. quietly conclude our service. We're going to do it quietly. 
because of those that are forward praying and those of you that know that you need to stay. That you know you need to stay until God touches your heart and gives you that that you know that you need. As we conclude our time, if you are able to stay after and help us tear down, we could use that this morning. But as we conclude, I want to say the blessing over us. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and to give you peace. God bless you. If you would like to remain in worship, please do so.
there's nothing worth more could ever come close nothing can compare you're our living hope it's your presence and i've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone it's your presence Your friend. 